Good morning, everybody. Ooh, hello. <clears throat> Good to see you. Happy NFL season. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all that Derek's wearing this uh, Cincinnati Bengals jersey whatsoever because, you know, in the eyes of God, that's, the Bengals are quite insignificant. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like a flea on the back of an elephant in God's eyes. But when I walked in this morning and I saw Roger Lotz in that Dallas Cowboys jersey, I just felt God frown. I just... <laughs> Very sacrilegious. So, look, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do something here to start off with. I'm gonna ask Andy Lamb if he will uh, come up. When uh, many of you know Andy, but uh, for those of you who don't know, this is Andy Lamb, and Andy's gonna talk to us for a few moments. Right here, Andy. We'll get you a mic right there. Andy is going to talk to us about something he's going to do for the next year of his life. Andy is a lawyer at Covington and Burling, one of the most respected law firms in Washington, D.C., and he is going to be leaving there to become a legal missionary, and he'll explain all that in the Philippines. And so uh, if you all welcome Andy Lamb. Oh, this is great to use this microphone. I didn't get to use one of these when I was practicing this. So it's great to get to talk to you all today about the work I'm going to do this coming year in the Philippines as an attorney with International Justice Mission. What I really want to talk to you all about is about God's concern for the oppressed. And talk about oppression can remain extremely vague. So I want to focus on one particular type of oppression, namely uh, child prostitution or child sex trafficking. And I want to tell you not just some data, but I want to tell you some stories, some true stories about the oppressed, about God, and about the church. So first, some data. This year, our State Department estimated that over 12 million people will provide services in forced labor and forced prostitution. And just to put that into perspective, that's greater than the number of people who were enslaved during 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. Over two million children will be caught this year in child sex trafficking, in the sex trade. And these are people who are being damaged physically, spiritually, and emotionally in ways that for most of us, uh, we'd find really hard to imagine. They're uh, gonna have a hard time, some of them, ever seeing themselves as worthy of anything more than being abused. And these are the oppressed. They include people like the woman I'm going to refer to as Bopa. Bopa is from a poor Cambodian family. And when she was 15, a lender threatened to repossess their, her family's home. Three women introduced themselves to Bopa and told her that she could help by earning some money peeling shrimp. She finally decided to go with these women, but she didn't end up peeling shrimp. She ended up being transported across the border into Thailand where she was forced to give sexual services for $15 until she was finally rescued. Her consent was never asked for. If it was, she's really too young to provide any informed consent anyway. And of course, she didn't receive any of the money. Uh, Tina Front is a lot like Bopa, except that Tina is actually from right here in the District of Columbia. When Tina was 14, she struck up a relationship with a young man of 24. And this man told her that he wanted to take her to visit his family in Cleveland. She finally agreed to go with him. But she didn't end up 
meeting his family in Cleveland. She ended up being forced to provide sexual services for $500 or be uh, beaten. And at one point, she was, uh, she did have her arm broken with a baseball bat by her quote-unquote boyfriend. So these are the oppressed. And now I want to talk to you, though, about God. You see, God is very concerned about the oppressed. And that's actually a gross understatement because, as we even heard in the worship this morning, God loves each person so much that he would give his only son for that person. And it's with that great love that he sympathizes with the experience of the oppressed. That means that God's love makes him feel what it's like to be a person in the shoes of the oppressed. God feels the, the suffering of the oppressed, each and every person who's oppressed, each and every day. And that's a lot of feeling. And I'm not going to sugarcoat this. The Bible makes it very clear that God's not happy with oppression. God's emotional response to oppression can be translated as wrath. God gets very angry when he sees abuse and oppression. Uh, because God And God gets angry at oppression each and every day because he sees oppression each and every day. And that strong emotional response by God demands some form of action. And now I want to tell you about the church. So the church, that's you and me. We are God's ambassadors on this earth. We are his representatives to those in the world around us. That means that we need to do something about oppression and abuse. It doesn't mean that all of us have to do everything about oppression. But it does mean, I think, that each of us needs to do something. There was that realization, among some other things, that led me ultimately to break for the coming year from working at a law firm here in, in Washington, D.C., and to work with International Justice Mission. International Justice Mission is a Christian human rights organization that addresses various forms of abuse in countries outside the United States, including, uh, they deal with various forms of abuse, including child sex trafficking. And uh, I will be working with uh, International Justice Mission as an attorney consultant. International Justice Mission, or IJM, uses attorneys like me, along with social workers and investigators, in dealing with child sex trafficking. And these people investigate cases of sex trafficking. They coordinate with local law enforcement raids of brothels where girls are being forced to provide sexual services. They rescue the girls and, some, in some cases, young boys who are being forced to give those services. They bring to trial the people who are perpetrating the child sex trafficking. And they work with the children who've been rescued in order to help them to recover from the abuse that they've suffered. And I'm going to be working in the Philippines for this coming year, uh, which has struggled a lot with the uh, problem of sex trafficking. And now I want to show you a video, which is going to give you a little bit more information about IJM's work in addressing specifically child sex trafficking. Uh, this video includes some footing fr footage from an IJM undercover investigator who's looking into a brothel um, and getting some information about the brothel for uh, IJM's intervention. It, the video focuses on uh, a problem in, in Cambodia, but the problem that it talks about happens elsewhere too. It happens in the Philippines, and in a way it happens as well here in the District of Columbia. Uh, the form of the problem may be different, but the abuse that the children are, really, are suffering is really the same. 
So God sees uh, children like you saw in this video each and every day, and he feels their suffering. And as God's ambassadors, we need to do something about it. I'm going to be working in the Philippines, and I see myself as a representative of this church as I'll be reaching out in the Philippines. If you want to be involved with me financially or in prayer or just in corresponding with me, um, there's going to be a sign-up sheet in the back, and any of those forms of support would be great. You can even just indicate you'd like some more information. And you can also look for organizations that address sexual abuse here in the D.C. area. And, of course, each of us can do something to address abuse as it comes across our paths. Thank you very much for letting me talk with you. Uh, I'm going to miss being here at this church. Uh, I'll be here one more Sunday, but then after that I'll be gone. Um, I really enjoyed being here. I'm going to miss everybody, and I'd appreciate your prayers. Thank you. Just hold on to my gracious. I want to say something back. Uh, I don't know if you could hear everything that was being said in that uh, video, but the one thing that was said about this human trafficking issue is that it, this is something that we can make a difference with. There's a lot of things in this world that are just hard to stop, but this is one area that actually um, we can get involved in and make an impact upon. This issue is something that has um, been on my heart for years, been on this church's heart for years, many years. And we've been praying, praying, God, this just sickens uh, us to know that this is going on. And I think about four or five years ago, we actually had a representative from IJM come in and speak to us. And at that time, we contributed uh, financially. We gave them a sizable uh, financial contribution, and but our, our question to them was, is can we do anything personal, like rather than just hand you money, there's any way personally we can be involved and help, and there was no easy way to do that, um, this is actually a difficult way to get, you know, really personally involved, so we've been praying for that way, and Andy, uh, unbeknownst to us, God moved on his heart, here is somebody, how long have you been coming to Grace? Uh, about four years, five. about four or five years now. You know, it took him four or five years for him to finally listen to what God was saying to him, but he, he finally did it. I'm slow. He is. He is slow. But uh, uh, this is a great this this is a great thing. There there is few things that sicken me more than to know some of the things that are going on, even right in this city. Some of you might have seen a piece that the Post did. We have a sex trafficking problem in Tyson's Corner. This stuff goes on, and we need to make a difference. And um, so here's an opportunity for us to do something about that. So uh, as a church, as Grace Community Church, uh, we're we're helping to financially support Andy. And uh, so this is something that all of us you know, can do together, and Andy's going to be in the back, as he said. But I'd like us to stop now and just all stand up and uh, just pray. Uh, God, uh, this is really sick what goes on in this world, and we know very little of it, but you know all of it, and so we can only imagine how it sickens you. So, uh, Father, just short, short and sweet here, God. Be with Andy, empower him, strengthen him, protect him, cause his mind to be exceptionally sharp to deal with these issues, to bring down this wickedness that goes on in the Philippines. Father God, I pray that countless 
children, boys and girls, would be rescued out of this terrible thing and that you would use him as your arm, as your strong arm in this world. Remind us to pray and to think of Andy often. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank, Thank you, Andy. Thank you, buddy. Um, I don't have much time, so I'm going to try to uh, just talk a little bit from from my heart this morning about something that is kind of a a sensitive uh, issue. I want to talk about money for just a few moments. I uh, five years ago I tried wakeboarding, and uh, I figured that I had surfed as a kid and I skateboarded as a kid. That wakeboarding would be a really easy thing to do. You know what a wakeboard is? You know they tell you behind a boat it's a board about this long, it's about this wide, it's about this long, and and. Um, I made 20 attempts at standing up on that board, and I drank gallons of water, and I hurt all over. My back was hurting. My arms were hurting. I bruised my fingers up somehow, I think, from banging against the... It was, it was uh, really humiliating. It was defeating. The kids were frustrated because they're, like, in the boat just waiting and waiting. You'll never do it, Dad! You'll never do it! Get out! We want to go rafting or whatever. And so I left that uh, lake five years ago totally defeated. Just hang a sign around my neck. It was absolutely terrible. We decided to go back to the lake again this summer. And we rented a boat. And when we did, there was a wakeboard there. And my daughter really wanted to try it. So I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to try it again. I, I, I didn't want to. But uh, I know there's a, there's a couple guys here, Dwight uh, Godwin wakeboards and uh, Tom again wakeboards. And I figured, man, if, if they can do it, <laughs> come on. So I got, I got in the water and, you know, you sit in the water, your knees are up like this with the wakeboard. You're holding on to this rope. And, um, and I tried it five times and I, it was just, I was farther away. <laughs> on my fifth time than I was on my first time. There was no way I was getting up. Because instincts tell you this. They tell you that that you've got to push back against that boat because until you kind of get that board above the water, like if you let it pull you over, you're just gonna, your face is just going to go right in the water. It's going to be a terrible thing. That's what, you're in, that's what my instincts told me. And so after the fifth time, I said, man, that's it. I'm done. I turned off the motor of the boat. I jumped in the boat. And um, I don't know what we did. Towed the kids. And I got my handy little iPhone. I got it out. And I punched up that YouTube app. And I just typed in how to stand up on a wakeboard. And this kid came on this YouTube video out in the middle of the lake. He had hair like out to here. And he said, amen, you know, <laughs> wakeboarding is the easiest thing you ever do. You know, this kind of stuff is so easy. If you can get up on skis, you can get up on a wakeboard. I'm like, yeah, right. And he said this. He showed you the position to get in. And then he said this. He says, look, don't fight the boat. Don't fight the boat. You think you can fight the boat. You will never win against the boat. When the boat begins to pull you, let it pull you up. I thought that's never going to happen. If it pull me up and I'm crotched down on top of that board, I'm going to sink or I'm going to go over. doesn't make sense. So I said, I'm going to trust this kid who's done a lot of drugs. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to hop back. I'm going to hop back in the water and, and see what happens. And so I did that. I hopped back in the water and I told Chris, I said, just gun it, you know, and I let it pull me up. 
And on the first time, I was up like a charm. It was the easiest thing that I ever, I mean, it was so easy. I needed that piece of information. Here's what I want to talk to you just briefly about, okay? Because I have just a few moments. And if this concerns you, bothers you, confuses you, please talk to me about it. God is going a certain way, and you can't fight God. He's going. The boat is headed in a direction. And the tendency for us, the natural instinct for us is to fight against that in some areas, particularly in the area of money. We just do. It's a natural instinct. We think, man, if I go with God, I'm just going to fall over flat on my face. Studies show us this. 80% of Christians, followers of Christ, do not tithe. 80%. That's a big number. Why? What is a tithe? A tithe is when somebody gives 10% of their income to God through the church that they go to. Tithing is all over the place in the Bible. And let me say a few things about, about tithing, okay? If you don't tithe, it does not make you a bad person. If you don't tithe, it does not mean that you're going to hell. If you do tithe, it doesn't mean that you can buy your way into heaven, okay? So that's, it's, it's all cool. There are some scriptures that are very interesting. I have them on the back of your blue bulletins, okay? In the, in the Bible, when you give and when you, when you tithe, it's not because you're being forced to, pressured to, guilted into doing that. It's nothing like that. A tithe in the scriptures is a response to God's grace. It's out of gratitude. It's out of joy. That's how tithing is viewed in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7 says, Each one should give as you have as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give, and you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily. So why should you tithe? Let me give you just a couple things to think about. Because you trust God. You tithe because you trust God. God says that he would bless us in tithing, systematic tithing, giving our money. He says he would bless us in this. And so you take God at his word and say, okay, I'm trusting that you're telling me the truth. I'm believing it. Here's the second reason, because God deserves our praise. He deserves our praise. Uh, God does not need our money. He does not need our money, but God does deserve our praise. It's a natural human response that when somebody has helped you, blessed you, served you, done something exceptional for you, is that you... Uh, show your appreciation, not just verbally or in written form, but that, you know, you actually back that up with money. It's like you go to your boss for your annual review or whatever, and your boss says, oh, man, you're incredible, you're just awesome, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, what are you expecting? <laughs> if you really think I've done a great job, right? My son just got a job at Noodles. Everybody know what Noodles is? He worked there this past summer. It's kind of like, an, they probably wouldn't appreciate this. It was like an upscale McDonald's or something like that. And they serve noodles. So he was working one night. He works the, the cash register thing. And this young couple guy, you know, teenage guy was on a date with this teenage girl. And he was the guy was all nervous or whatever. And so my son, like he really helped him out with the menu. And this is what you get. All this. So he really, really helped him out. And uh, when the couple, this teenage couple, went to leave, he said the guy came up and pulled out some money and gave it to my son. He said, here you go, man. Thanks so much. Like, when's the last time you tipped somebody at McDonald's? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. But it's a natural human thing for us. Like, when somebody has gone above and beyond, well, God's gone above and beyond. 
So God deserves our praise. Let me just last thing. Because tithing, like fasting, and we've talked about fasting, and we're going to talk about that more because we're going to do this thing called fasting for faith in a few weeks from now. Tithing, like fasting, really seems to grab God's attention. I don't know why. There are these uh, wonderful scriptures in the Bible. Here, here you go. They're on the back of your sheet. Deuteronomy 6.16. Really clearly, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus Christ says the same thing. Matthew chapter 4, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In Mark chapter 8, we're told these, the Pharisees, who are not like held up in high honor in the scriptures for their actions and their attitudes, right? And even we, 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 we talk to people, we call them Pharisaical or Pharisees today as a put down, right? And we're told this, that the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him, to test him. You're not supposed to put God to the test, and these bad guys are testing God. Lastly, the scripture tells us that God actually, we're not to test him. He's to test us. Zechariah chapter 13 says it this way. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. So you got all that? So we're never to test God. Do not, really clear, don't, 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 don't test God. God tests us. People who test God are put in a bad light. And then all of a sudden you read in Malachi chapter 3 about the issue of tithing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then God says this, listen to this, test me in this. Wasn't that a little bizarre? I mean, aren't you telling us all over the place not to test you? What is the, What gives? What's with the change of opinion here all of a sudden? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Finally, Leviticus chapter 27, a tithe of everything is holy to the Lord. Tithing is actually an act of worship. Now, just so we're clear, this message, this brief message, is in no way trying to get money out of your pocket into that offering box over there for the church. It never has. This church, one thing that's clear, this church has never been about is self-preservation. Our whole mission statement is to be a church where people don't go to church. And what invariably happens in any institution, church or secular, is that you just start thinking, oh man, how are we going to continue to survive? we got to drum up the money somehow. Well, we figure that's God's business. So this is in no way, I don't want you to misconstrue this one way whatsoever, that we're trying to say, hey, you all need to tithe so that we can have a lot of money. That's not that at all. There's something totally different that I'm about. What I want to encourage you to do is similar to what we talked about last week, like Daniel. If you remember last week, one of the clues, um, and if you haven't heard that message, it's gonna, we're going to tie it in a little bit, so you might need to listen to that mystery message from last week. One of the things about Daniel in solving the mysteries of life that were before him is that he was willing to put God's word to the test. All I'm asking for you is considered to do the same. God's pretty clear in his word about this. Test me in this. I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven, and I will bless you, and I will help you. Well, put God to the test. Pray about it. Come up with some time frame, some time frame that you think is acceptable. You know, hey, God, okay, I'm going to test you for X amount of days. You know, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give 10% of my income and I'm going to try it for a month or for three months or for three weeks, whatever. You and God come up with that. 
If you think that for some reason we're just trying to get you to give money here, give money to another church. Run the test at another church. If you don't know another church to give to, see me. I can tell you some great churches in this community that you can give to. Put God to the test. Have the guts to find out about this. And then if nothing happens, then if nothing happens, treat it just like Daniel did. Bring on the devil burgers, all right? Never tithe again. Don't do it. Don't do it. But if something does happen, take note of it. All right, now I want to tell you why I'm really saying all this today. All of these cards from last week, I, I read them. I mean, the first card that I picked out of the basket Sunday as soon as I left the church broke my heart. These cards have hit me and my heart over and over and over and over again all week long and have bothered me deeply. I am so sorry for so much pain and frustration that exists in the lives of us here in this room. And I want to say this, and I'm going to try to be really clear here. I had really felt as I read, and I just kept these. We, as a staff, we read over them. We prayed over them. I kept them on my desk all week. I thought about them all week. I prayed about them all week. If 80% of followers of Christ don't tithe, and I have no idea what anybody gives here, okay? So if this is your first time and you're wondering, oh, he know, no, it's part of the deal. I don't know anything, so I know nothing. But I'm just thinking, statistically speaking, that probably a good amount of people on these cards, you don't, don't tithe. So here's what I want to say really cautiously here. What just kept coming back to me this week as I knew I was going to talk about this topic and these cards sat on my desk was this. Some of you, would consider putting God to the test. I think God would solve some of your mysteries. And here's where I want you to hear me really clear. I'm not saying you're going to tithe and all of a sudden your life is going to get beautiful and your mystery is going to be solved. I've been tithing for years and i got a mystery that's still not solved, okay? I'm not telling you to tithe and go you know, skydiving without a parachute. I'm not telling you to tithe today and, 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 and go down to the Porsche dealership. I am not saying, are we clear? That all of a sudden, buy a lottery ticket. I am not saying that. But what I am saying that God put on my heart is for some of us, we're a part of that 80%. And I'm saying, go ahead and test God and expect God to do something. Consider it. Just consider it. Think about it. There is far too much pain in these cards. In a lot of ways, I have lived a very blessed life. My life has not been problem-free, but I'm telling you, I have lived a blessed life, and this church is a blessed church. People say that to me all the time. It's not because of me. It's not. I, I, never, I was out to dinner one night with a guy. He'd been coming here a couple years. This is a few years ago. And he says, I don't know what it is, but there's God's hand is upon Grace Community Church, and John, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. I thought, what a jerk, you know. <laughs> this church made a decision 10 years ago when we started that we were going to be a tithing church. We felt like if, if God said for an individual they should tithe, then God would bless and open the window. We thought, well, how much more for a group of people that call themselves a church? What if we did? Hey, God's just, I'm telling you, don't miss out. Don't fight the boat. You're not going to win that battle. 
Don't let something as small as money hold back what God wants to do in your life. Just consider it. Let's pray. Lord, in my prayer here today, I want to lift up every single mystery on these cards before me. Father God, I just want to ask, Lord, that you would solve these mysteries. There's so much pain on this paper. You know exactly what each one of us needs. And even for those who never had a chance to fill out a card, maybe they weren't here last week, you know what's going on in our lives, God. Help us. Whether we decide to tithe or not, help us. For those who need to, God, just encourage along the way. Lord, we need you. We are in a broken world. We are reminded of that this morning from what Andy has shown us and spoken to us about. God, come down and intervene in our affairs because we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here and for listening. Financial peace is in the back. Andy will be in the back. Have a great day.